You're listening to Middle East Analysis, a podcast series taking a close look at the Middle East North Africa region. Well, hello, listeners. Middle East Analysis and myself and Dr. Harry Hagopian, who I will introduce formally in one second, sitting opposite me. New format, roughly 15 minutes for our podcast, and you probably last heard us, hopefully, when we were discussing the hard Christian realities in the Middle East, North Africa and Gulf states. Today, we're staying in the Middle East. Actually, we're staying Israel-Palestine because, Dr. Harry Hagopian, we are going to discuss the deal of the century. And before I ask you the obvious question of what on earth is the deal of the century, it's lovely to see you. How are you? Lovely to see you too, uh, James. This is really a pleasure to sit here in front of you and have a few minutes uh, of what I would call political and ecumenical banter. Oh, like it. Well, let's dive straight in, shall we? Deal of the century. What a great phrase that is. Donald Trump, president of the US, is going to be responsible for it, we believe. What is it? Well, uh, President Donald Trump has been threatening the world and the Israelis and Palestinians as well that he's going to come up with this deal of the century. Uh, The idea behind it is that when he became president, he said that all previous presidents, whether the two Bushes, Clinton, Obama, could not manage to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict because they were looking at it differently or wrongly and that he, as the great deal-maker, is going to come up with something that is going to go down well with both Israelis and Palestinians, and that is going to finally, after so many decades, depending on how you look at the history of the conflict, it's going to be put to bed. Now, it's very interesting because he has also entrusted his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and the Middle East envoy, Jason Greenblatt, to pretty much flesh out what this deal of the century is going to be. Nobody yet knows because it's not yet out, but everybody out there who's worth his salt in political terms for the Middle East and Gulf regions is talking about it these days. I think the last time I heard something along these lines, uh, perhaps not quite spectacularly put, was when uh, Tony Blair was going to sort out the Middle East. Oh, Tony Blair was going to sort out the the Middle East. And then uh, Tony... It's a bit harder than that, though, isn't it? It is a bit harder. And Tony Blair got sidetracked by something small called Iraq and the non-existent uh, ballistic missiles and uh, weapons of mass destruction. And then the whole quartet, which at that time was also supposed to steward a peace resolution to this conflict, the Americans, the Russians, the EU, that didn't work either. So now uh, everybody is looking sort of skeptically at what the U.S. administration, given its track record on how it addresses international conflicts, what is it going to say to the Palestinians and then also to the Israelis? Now, I don't want to sidetrack and move out of the Middle East, North Africa, but it's quite a lofty ideal to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. But obviously that's on the cards for him as well. Is he tidying up the world, Harry? He seems to be tidying up uh, the world. And uh, when sometimes you tidy the world, you tend to mess it up as well. I mean, what I think is quite impressive about the uh, Korean Peninsula and the very general 
document that came out of the meeting between the North Korean chairman and President Trump is that that vagueness is apparently something that he is very fond of, whereas the much more specific, detailed document that came out of the E5 plus one in uh, the Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA, that he doesn't like. I think President Trump thinks that he only likes what he himself engineers and not what others before him have done. So it's very interesting to see what is going to happen uh, with the deal of the century. It's taken a little bit of a backstage for the moment because he got busy with the other uh, conflicts and he got busy bashing the G7, but I think it's going to come back on again. I don't really know where to start because you've said the details are unclear or haven't been revealed yet. Is it even worth me asking you to speculate what he might have in mind? Well, it's very difficult to decide what he has in mind because uh, President Trump also has a very endearing habit of changing his mind every day. You can see that from the tweets and you can see that from the various ways in which uh, US foreign policy is engineered these days. However, some of the serious pundits and observers and political commentators have already been talking about this deal of the century, and the consensus seems to be that it is going to be introduced to the world, whether it's going to come out kicking and screaming and crying, or whether it's going to be a safe birth or it's going to be a stillbirth, nobody yet knows. However, people are expecting it to be made public soon. And what people are also saying that it is not necessarily going to be favorable to the Palestinians and it's going to be very much biased toward the Israeli understanding and consensus on uh, or lack of consensus, I could add, on the uh, conflict. Many things have been said about it. It's foolhardy to expect what comes out of that document, but some people, for instance, have said that the sheer transfer of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem means that no way is this deal of the century going to mean that Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, Arab Jerusalem, the one that has all the Arab Christians and Muslims living in it, that there is no way that that will become the capital of a future Palestinian state, according to this document that will come out. And some people are saying that a suburb in Jerusalem called Abu Dis might well end up being the capital. That would be an insult to Palestinians from Jerusalem to go to a, a suburb. I've driven through that suburb quite a few times. It's a tiny little hamlet. Others are saying that perhaps Ramallah in the north of Jerusalem, which is for all intents and purposes these days, the financial virtual capital of a virtual state, that it might become the capital. And there are even others who are saying that all the negotiations taking place with the Gulf countries, and they're playing a part in all this, as well as with Egypt, might mean that if we let our imaginations run amok, that the Gaza Strip would be extended into the Sinai Desert, and that would be the rump of a future Palestinian state. All those speculations are perhaps to be welcomed by 
Israel, but they are anathema to the Palestinians because the international law, international legitimacy, UN resolutions have made it very clear as the EU spells it out time and time again as to what the parameters, we even call them the Clinton parameters, what the parameters of a solution were meant to be. So no wonder that in a recent speech that Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority, gave, he described it in Arabic not as the deal of the century, but the slap of the century, even though he, like many others, doesn't yet know the details of what's going to be in that document. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, though, that we're even talking about it. And it's fascinating that there's so much analysis about it, because if we take your earlier comments from the very start, it should be a bit of a nonsense, because... You know, so many people have tried and failed. So many people have perhaps misunderstood the complexity. They've misunderstood the cultural personality. They've misunderstood the people that they've had to deal with or should have dealt with in order to try and bring this about. Very intelligent men, you've been part of negotiations, mm-hmm. have tried to, to broker things, and women, of course. I've tried and I've failed, James. Many have. I, yes, I, I indeed. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even call that a criticism, which is why, which is why. The only thing I can personally say about this, and this could be ignorance as well, of course, everyone is now talking about it. And I wonder if of all the failures in the past, maybe this might be a crowbar on a box, if not a very tangible solution. So it may start a more legitimate conversation. I don't think that it's going to start a more legitimate conversation. I take where you're coming from, and I like this because me, I'm known to be a person whose thinking is counterintuitive and I'm somebody who actually pushes the envelope or thinks laterally outside the envelope, call it what you may, which is probably one of the reasons why I'm not as popular as many other people. But having said that, I would slightly still disagree with you because any of those parameters that have been leaked to the press or by informed sources between inverted commas would be unacceptable to the Palestinians. The problem at the moment is that the American administration is working on this deal of the century, hand in glove pretty much with Israel and with the some of the Gulf countries, particularly, I would say, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, who incidentally are the three Gulf countries that are embargoing or blockading Qatar as we speak. And in a sense, I think Trump thinks that with the money and the influence that the Gulf countries have and with what Egypt can bring into it in terms of strategic depth and the most important Arab country to date, that they will be able to hit the Palestinians quite hard on the head that they would actually have to say yes to it. I don't think that's going to happen. What I think will happen personally, and this is me going out on a gamble or on a an exploratory trip, is that the American administration would come out with a deal of the century President Trump has a way, even if the paper is not worth anything, uh, he has a way of making it seem like the most wonderful, terrific, excellent paper that has ever seen the light of day. He's going to propose it. The Israelis will probably be quite happy with most of it. And the answer of the Israeli prime minister, this is my scenario, it could be just fanciful thinking. Uh, The Israeli prime minister would say, yes, but... To the deal, the Palestinians would automatically, all of them, all factions, whether in the West Bank, Gaza, in the diaspora, would say no. 
and then everybody would go around and pointing the finger at the Palestinians and saying, you see what? There you are. They are the people who don't want to make peace. They are the people who are always saying no to everything that's being offered to them. Uh, Barack and Clinton offered so much to Arafat, which is not true, and he said no. Ehud Olmert offered so much to Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, he said no. And here is Trump, the master uh, deal maker, offering something to the Palestinians and the Israelis. The Israelis are saying yes, but. Yes, but means let's talk for another 20 years as we manage the occupation and put up more settlements, which would make the whole idea unachievable and not practical. And the Palestinians would be the nasty people yet again, because those poor people, they just don't know what's good for them. What people don't realize is that historical Palestine has shrunk to less than 20% of what's on offer. And you can see that if you if you buy the prints in the West Bank that document over a chronological period how that land has shrunk. Absolutely. But what I would say, having listened to you, and, and I think you put it very well actually, is that it's sort of one person's deal maker is another person's deal breaker. Because on the one hand, for some aspects, it's presented as deal of the century. But I'm sure for the Palestinians, it would be massive concession of the half century, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It would be a massive concession of the half century. And I like the way you summarized it, James. Yes, it would be. My personal feeling is that at the moment, with everything that's happening in with Iran, everything that's happening with the Gulf countries, the disparities, the, the, the fractious nature of the Uh, situation there with everything that's happening in Syria and in Iraq. If I look around me, I have to conclude as somebody who has worked quite a lot on the Israel-Palestine conflict, I've got to conclude, whether I like it or not, that Palestine at the moment is not a priority for many, many countries. And unfortunately, at the moment, the Palestinians are very much the weaker party. So all the talk we've had over many, many years about, oh yes, the illegitimacy of occupation, about the fact that it's two uh, states side by side, mutual security, mutual sovereignty, contiguity of a Palestinian state, all that at the moment is is being revised. And this is also part of a new trend in the world where we, we see around us happening where there is a counter-populist reaction where people aren't thinking diplomatically or politically. They're thinking in terms of, well, this is what suits me. The higher I shout, the more people will listen to me. This is what diplomacy has become these days. And I lament that fact, but I also realize that uh, these are cycles. So, again, you've often asked me in the past, James, whether I will see a Palestinian state that I could call viable. As I grow less young, let me put it euphemistically. That's political, of course. <laughs> and as I look at the situation of, the, of this particular conflict, which to me still is the hub of all conflicts in the MENA and Gulf regions, I realized that I might not actually see the sovereign Palestinian state that Palestinians really deserve. So let me ask you a final question. Deal of the century, damp squib of the century, which would you say? Damp squib. Harry, wonderful analysis as always, but you do know you've now committed yourself to coming back when we see 
and we can quantify what this particular deal actually uh, looks like and whether it has any viability at all. I know your thoughts at the moment. You're going to have to come back and uh, analyse it for us. Thank you, James. And when I come back to analyse it, once the deal of the century or the slap of the century sees the light of day, then in your inimitable way, you can pick up all the wrong analyses I did and tell me, you said this, but this is what is written on the paper. What is your comment? And I'll tell you, I'm not a prophet and this is called politics. I tell you what, I've overextended myself by putting some opinion in this time, so I I could well be wrong as well. Let's wait and see. Dr. Harry Hagopian, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Pleasure.